It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. 707 on the Saturday morning, 70 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful doing whatever you feel like doing on a day like today where it's going to be 90 little bit degrees this afternoon. Might be a good idea to get things done this morning. Our phone number is 404-872-0750. Charles is in, well, it's not, I'm not sure where Charles is, but nonetheless, he's on the line right now. Hey, Charles, good morning. Good morning, Walter. I'm in Athens. In Athens, Clark County, you bet. What can I do for you, Charles? Thank you. Once again, we have yellow jackets and the hummingbird feeder. Yeah. Hummingbirds just come sit on top of it <laughs> and get to the food. Any idea? They sell. I've seen at hardware stores and online at bird uh, supply stores that they is there is a thing called I think it's called a yellow jacket guard or a bee guard or some kind of guard thing, oh. and you put it over the spout if you will the yeah. place where the where the hummingbird would normally get their nectar and yeah. it is deep enough that the tongue of the insect can't get down in there to get anything to eat whereas the hummingbird's tongue is much longer so it goes down and gets the sugar water that it wants so um, i think I finding a bee guard is what you're looking for we'll look for that and thank you very much i'll tell you let me give you a couple more things charles about hummingbirds a lot of people have hummingbird feeders and things and it's normal to be looking at your feeder and realize man i haven't seen any hummingbirds for a while i wonder if they've disappeared migrated what has happened to the hummingbirds but it's typical for hummingbirds to come in a mass and drink and feed and eat and everything from a feeder and then sort of disappear for a while and then all come back again. That's just typical hummingbird behavior, and it doesn't mean they all got killed or died or migrated or whatever. So that's one thing that people ask about hummingbirds. And the other one is, how do you make the nectar? Do I have to color the nectar? Do I have to make it red? Do I have to do anything to uh, make them come to it? And the answer is probably not that color on the nectar itself doesn't have any any effect on the hummingbirds just the container and yours probably like mine is sort of red it has little red spouts and red oh, yes, and all that red. and that'll, that'll attract them in to uh, come to get the, the nectar and you can make the nectar yourself um, was it four to one I think is the ratio between sugar and water and you pour that in and keep it fresh and hopefully yeah. the hummingbirds discover it once again and come back and and, uh, and give you some of the enjoyment from uh, from seeing them fly around. I see. Bee guard. But bottom, the bottom line, Charles, get a bee guard, get the yellow jackets out of there and the bees and the, everything else that wants to eat the nectar and let the hummingbirds do what they want to do. We'll do it, and thank you once again very thank, much. Thanks for calling, Charles. Yes, sir. It's 10 minutes past the hour, and that gives Michael his turn. Michael, you still got a little bit of gardening Gardening impetus inside. You want to plant some squash? Uh, yes, sir. Good morning to you, Walter. Morning, Michael. Um, yeah, I got some um, some summer squash I planted in three inch peat pots back in about mid July. Yeah, and I just haven't had time to get them to the ground, and they've gotten a little bit big. And I was just wondering. I've read a lot that they have problems once they get to a certain size transplanting them. If that's going to be an issue for me, uh, how big are they now in the peat pots? Um, I would say the stems themselves are probably about eight inches. You're fine. When you fine. get to 
15 to 24 inches tall. That's a little bit weird to be transplanting them, but when sure, they're just sure. eight inches high, they are, they are grooming. But you know, I'm, I got I got the ground prepared, and I'm getting them in the ground today. I yeah. just wondered if it's going to be a waste of my time. Not at all. You'll you'll have squash as long as you don't have you know squash bugs and vine borers and all the other things that can affect squash of insects and things like that. But you certainly have enough growing season left to have squash. Yes, indeed. That sounds excellent. The, the other thing was, I saw on your Facebook about the armadillos. Oh, I, yeah. I put the thing about in Tucker. Um, I saw one last year. If you're familiar with Tucker, where the Walmart and Kroger is, sure. across the street there's a Walgreens. Yeah, yeah. That, that's where I spotted it. And then I watched it for about 10 minutes. So have, this was live. You, this wasn't a dead one. This was a live one you're talking about, this is right? A, yeah, yeah. I followed it around. There was All a friend right. of mine that was working. I got him out there as a witness. Oh, <laughs> so, man. So, but yeah, sure, sure enough, it was right there in front of the Walgreens, right there in Tucker. So David's right. question about do armadillos live in Tucker is answered affirmatively. Yes, they yep. do. Yes, they do. How about <laughs> that? Well, well, pretty soon they'll be at state capitol grounds or something like that. Then everybody will think about things. But yeah, armadillos are all, all over the place. Sometimes you may not see them at first when they're there, but they're certainly all over North Georgia. All right. All right. Well, Great talking to you, you, Michael. Thank you very much. Thanks for calling. Thank you. Twelve minutes past the hour. Remember the phone number, 404-872-0750. Janet, though, Janet in Tuckle Hill is really, really irritated right now. What's coming over on your property, Janet? Yeah, I have a neighbor who's got very brushy, let's just say a free-form backyard. Mm-hmm. And um, our, our backyards are separated by chain-link fence, but I still have, I'm getting ready to do a major yard renovation at my house this fall, and... I have a problem with um, blackberries and then that other um, vine that has, like, the spade-shaped leaves. Yeah, smilax and things like that. Sure, go ahead. What's it called? I, if, you're, if you're describing what I'm thinking of, it's smilax. has thorns, it. has yeah. spade shapes, shiny Creeping green leaves. Creeping over under, you know, through the ground. And I, I would like to, uh, along the, the fence, dig... Dig a trench and put in some sort of solid barrier, you know, maybe some flashing or something like that. Okay. Um, how deep does that flashing need to be to prevent that stuff from creeping, you know, through the ground? And then how do I get rid of the stuff? Because I've, I've tried some brush be gone on yeah. it, and it just kind of laughs at it. Are you on speaking terms with the neighbor? I mean, do you all talk about this? Or you well, it's a rental house, and I don't see the owner very often, and it's not going to get cleaned up. Yeah. Uh, I, and mean, I, already I have know a, that a similar sort of situation, but I do know my neighbors that border the backside of my property, and they're English ivy. They have an enormous plot of English ivy back there. It's always coming over the property line into my azaleas and things, and so I asked them one time if I could just spray Roundup on it. And so now I keep a little um, ivy-free zone, I guess we'd call it, between my property line and their ivy, English ivy, and that's worked out fine just to every three months probably. I go back yeah, there with a little sprayer. Yeah, but how do I keep it from creeping underground? I mean, yeah, and the smilax like, like is do with bamboo. Smilax is definitely an underground creeper, like bamboo is too. But I guess the flashing idea makes sense. That's what you could do, Janet. Dig a trench. Eight. How deep do you think? I always think that no further than twelve inches would would uh, be sufficient. Okay. Maybe eight, ten. I don't really know. Smilax, generally speaking, have roots that are about six inches deep. So you know, I'll try eight to ten inches probably. Will yeah, be fine. I might even just go a foot and. 
Yeah, let it be done. Aluminum flashing, though, you're exactly right. Great thing to have. Buy it at the big box stores easily enough. And uh, leave a little bit of it above ground because if you have leaves and things and debris that fall onto it, sometimes the roots can go over the flashing rather than underneath it. So you want to be sure it's a a good solid barrier that the roots of anything on the other side can't come through. Okay, great. All right, well, and I'll just, um, I'll maybe make my brush pigon a, a stronger strength. Generally, you don't need to do that. I mean, really? I know it's a temptation to say, well, if it says two tablespoons, I'm going to use four tablespoons and really kill it here. But generally speaking, the uh, the concentration, once you get up to label directions, doesn't make any difference with it's double or triple or made better or made stronger. I mean, it just kills things the same way. Like, you know, if you're trying to kill a roach or something, you can kill him with a tack hammer. You can kill him with a sledgehammer. Either way, he's dead. So you don't necessarily have to increase the concentration to make it effective on the on the weeds. Okay. Right. All right. Well, I'll just I'll just be more. Um, I'll just keep keep at it. I mean, honestly, that really is part of the deal. You just have to be you know, observant. Go back there and yeah. see if the weeds are coming through, and either spray, dig, do whatever your your method is going to be. Okay. Great. Janet, thanks for calling. Thanks. Four zero four eight seven two zero seven fifty gets you in to take Janet's place. And I think real quickly here we can talk to Patricia up in Cartersville. Hey, Patricia. Good morning. Hey, how are you? I'm all right. What's up? Yes, I have an apple tree I purchased a few weeks ago. I still got in the container because yeah. I know it's not time to plant it right now. It's turning yellow. You know what? I think that we sometimes, we meaning we garden radio writers, TV people, do a disservice to gardeners by saying, you know, the best time to plant a fruit tree is in the fall when the soil's warm, blah, blah, blah. If it was in a pot right now, I would plant it right now. It may not be the, quote, best time of year, but it's a whole lot better to have it in the ground now than it is to have it in a pot and all the problems of watering and heating up and all that kind of stuff done. True, it's not September or October, but I still think it's better than leaving it in the pot. So I would plant it this afternoon. So the yellow probably from too much water? Did you say this was an an apple tree or a poplar tree? Apple, yes, apple sir. tree. So they need enough water to keep the um, you know keep the roots moist. I guess is the goal you're looking for. Yeah, and, and I had it under the well, the roof comes off. It hadn't rained that much, but I didn't know if it was too much water or what's turning yellow. Doubt. It's doubtful that it's too much water, and I say that because the soil medium that is um, usually used in pots that producers are, are planting the apple trees in, that soil medium is designed to drain fast because they water them just about every day when they're in, a, in an apple tree okay. seedling field, and they want the, the, the material to dry out pretty quickly, and so it's doubtful that you can overwater it. I guess it's possible, okay, but I'll doubtful. Okay, get it planted then. Yeah, uh, that tree will be a lot happier, Patricia, if you plant it okay. today. Thanks. Thank you. You bet. Thanks for calling. Right, like I say, I take some blame for that because uh, we often say, we meaning the garden writers, and I'll often say, well, the best time to plant X or Y or Z is in the fall. But if you've got it in a pot, the best time to plant it is today. You need to get that plant out of the pot and into the ground. Even if it's in a temporary bed, it'll be happier in the ground than it would be in the pot. It's 718 at Newstalk WSB. We'll be back right after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellis weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. It was so nice yesterday. 
Temperatures in the 80s, well, high 80s, yeah, but low humidity. It was nice to be outside. But now today we're back to the regular hot and dry throughout the metro Atlanta area. Afternoon highs today reaching the low 90s. Skies, mix of clouds and sun pretty much. Not much rain in the forecast tonight. Low temperatures drop down to the upper 60s and remain is remaining a little bit outside the perimeter of Atlanta. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Robert is in Decatur and comes up right now. Robert, hey, good morning. Good morning, uh, uh how you do, how you doing this morning, Walter? Fine, Robert, doing great. What can I do for you? Yeah, what it is is I we you know I purchased some uh, uh, some lemon trees at uh, Pike yeah. Nursery uh, for my wife, and uh, we planted it in the planted them in the ground. Okay, uh, you know uh, uh, earlier this this year, and what's go, what what's going on is I was uh, I I put some uh, some uh, you know some wires around it so it can. You know, to help strengthen, strengthen it where it, yeah, sure. you know, to go straight up. So what's and your question I, then? And uh, my question is this. Uh, I broke it, I broke one of the uh, <laughs> uh, the uh, the limbs off with, yeah. with a lemon on it yeah. by mistake. Yeah. And can I plant that? Uh, uh, how, how do you? What I want to know is, what, what did your wife say when you said, Honey, here's a limb with a lemon you've been looking forward to eating, but now it's broken off. And your wife was not happy. It would be no, my bad was. about what that. What happened? You're right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Robert, I'm sad to say something that's going to make you disappointed. You cannot root that limb. It will not send out roots. What you oh. got is what you got. Le- mm-hmm. Eat the lemon. They're not poisonous, you know, when they're little bitties, unless it's real little, if it's half an inch. Big it's then. green. It's it's green. Look like a lime, but yeah, it's, yeah. It's it's uh, a lemon. Slice uh, it open and uh, squeeze it out real good, and make lemonade. And you and your wife enjoy that on the front porch, and that's the best you can hope from it. It's not okay. going to propagate or anything. Okay. And uh, I, now, for us, do I water these? Do the, I water them? Or do I just let it? Uh, you know, just uh, I would water. I mean, you know, Robert, it's not going to survive winter. It will not be here with us next year if you leave it outdoors. Lemons are not going to survive temperatures below uh, 30, 30, 32 degrees during the wintertime. So the ones in the ground, you've got to dig those up if you want to keep them alive and put them into a big pot, bring them inside until springtime comes. And then put them back out. And put them back out again, yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I was thinking maybe I could put a, you know, because they, they ain't that big. I was thinking I could just uh, put some, uh, put a, uh, Garbage bag or something Not like that a over chance. It. Not a chance. Mm-hmm. I'm here to tell you the truth, Robert, and the truth is I don't see any way in the world other than building a greenhouse around them and above them and have a little heat in the greenhouse. No, they've got to be brought inside. Okay. Now, if they get real big, then what do I do? Can I do it then? Or? No, not even real big. They're still not going to be winter winter tough. No, they're okay. never going to be tough enough they're to stay outside. They're never going to be winter tough. That's the, that's the problem. Okay, with the lime, too. Lime, lime tea, lemon, know. tropical citrus. No, they're not going to survive. Okay. Uh, my wife said they said it's the hardy kind. <laughs> yeah, it's hardy in South Georgia, <laughs> but not Atlanta. I know that they they promise all sort of things on the labels of these plants. Sometimes I see them at the big box stores, and they say, oh, man, this is hardy outdoors down to 
30 degrees. Well, we have temperatures less than 30 degrees in Atlanta. No matter what the label says, the tropical lemons, limes, and others like them are not going to be happy when wintertime comes. Robert, you and your wife say hello to everybody for everybody to me in Decatur, and we'll see you soon. It's 727 at News Talk WSB. We'll be back to more Lawn and Garden right after news. Sonia is so far Please be the man the cable To my cable guard You blossom like a flower I'm so stunned like the devil My God You are It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 7.35 on a Saturday morning, 70 degrees outside. We've got about 20 more to go today. Low 90s. Okay, it's not going to be in the high 90s. It's the low 90s this afternoon, but Lord have mercy. It's going to be hot again for the next two or three days. Steve is in Lawrenceville on Lawn and Garden and joins us on Lawn and Garden. That's Lawn and Garden. Yes, I said Lawn and Garden a couple of times there, Steve. Hey, man, what's up? Hey, Walter. How are hey, you? Hey, Steve. I'm great. Yeah, um, I got a quick question. Um got a banana plant that uh having a big it's a big one it's about uh well it's taller than me all right <laughs> anyway it's in a big pot you know and i brought it in last year instead of letting it stay out got it anyway so i've got a um you know baby growing up and it's about 18 inches tall oh, and i wanted yeah. to transplant it yeah it so how do i do that because i've never had any luck in the past Doing that. I'm thinking right now actually about scheduling and what's the right time of year to tell you to do the division and transplant of that little baby on the side. Yeah. Um, wow. If I all right, here's what's going on in my head. I'll just let you know what's going on in this beady little brain of mine yeah. is that if you transplant it now and we're going to assume it's successful and it roots down and everything, yeah. are you going to bring it inside or what's your plan oh, yeah. for? I'm bringing them. Emerging? I'm bringing both in. Yeah. Okay. I think, yeah, you could do that right now. I think that it really might not have a lot of roots on it, so it'll really need watering to make sure it doesn't wilt. But I guess it would be okay to take it off the mama plant, put it in a new place nearby, water it real good from now until whenever you bring everybody in. I think that would probably do fine. So it's not like... I don't know how they're attached, you know? It's it's right at the bottom of the big mother banana plant, and... I'm using my hands here to show you how it sort of bends around the base of the plant. But bottom line, it bends around the base of the banana plant. And if you just real gently loosen the soil and then use your fingers to rock it back and forth and rock and rock and rock, the uh, connection between it and the mother plant will be broken. And then you can lift the whole thing up, and it'll have some roots on it, too. It won't have a lot of roots, but it'll have some. And that's why you have to be careful about watering, because it really does need a lot more roots to survive and be happy during the wintertime inside the house. Well, should I wait even? I mean, it's like I said, it's 18 inches. Yeah, but Dagum is going to get taller and bigger than that over the next couple of months, and I sort of wish that it would be transplanted and have a root system of its own and all that before you bring it in. So I'm I'm leaning towards doing it now. Okay. 
that sounds good. I just didn't know how to do it. So. Yeah, not not every garden question has a one hundred percent correct answer, but sometimes you just have to say, "I lean towards doing this right now." And we'll see what happens. And I think planning it now is best. Sounds good. Thanks a lot. You bet, Steve. Thanks for calling. Four zero four eight seven two zero seven fifty gets you in Steve's place. Julia, is that in Lawrenceville? Julia, <laughs> bless her heart. What happened to your hostage, Julia? Um, deer discovered our backyard about a month ago. Yeah. <laughs> and over the past month, and particularly this last week, they have eaten almost every hosta um, to the ground. Yeah. Oddly, they have avoided some in substance and some, another variety that has huge leaves. Wow. Uh, yeah, that was, I mean, that was a surprise. I didn't know they were picky. <laughs> they, seem, <laughs> they seem to enjoy all of them. But what we were wondering is, um, is there anything we can do now to give the hosta a chance of coming back next spring? Our experience has been once they get eaten down to nubs, they aren't really viable plants right. again. They might come back, but they never really thrive. Why are you and, calling the garden man when you have the answer right there, do you? That's exactly right. When they get eaten all the way down to the nubs, to the ground, sometimes they come back, but a lot of times that's the end of the story. So you said exactly oh, yeah. what I think is going to happen. Oh, that's so disappointing. They they left us alone for about seven years, and then it's, I mean, they've just decimated. Yeah. I have no idea, really, though, when you said that some some varieties didn't get touched by the deer. I don't have any clue about why some in substance and the others would not right. be eaten. Right. It, it was it was very odd yeah. because they, they were in the same area. Yeah. It was as if they avoided them and ate all the others around them. Um but and and they you know threw in a few anemone and daylilies for good measure. But um, I don't know if those will come back either. I've never had yeah. to meet those before. <laughs> let so. me let me tell you what my friend Faye says, and she lives up in Big Canoe where deer are everywhere, and you can hardly plant anything outdoors ah. for the deer eating them up. And she right. says that she got really good results using a what's called a systemic repellent called um, Repel-X is the name, R-E-P-E-L-L-E-X, Repel-X. Yeah. It's little pellets that you put in the ground underneath a hosta, a rose, a hydrangea, whatever the deer seem to like in your landscape, and it puts capsaicin into the sap of the plant, oh. and so it makes the sap of the plant hot and distasteful for the, for the deer. Mm-hmm. Try it and see. I'm not, you know, they don't pay me to say anything about it or anything, but it's worth a try, and Faith certainly says her, her hostas and her hydrangeas have thrived even in big canoe and so i think maybe a deer would come along and maybe eat one or two leaves and say man this is too hot i don't go somewhere else and so that may be what happens but again you can't argue with success and she felt like it did, did real good to keep the deer away from her plants Right. At this point, I'm almost discouraged about planting any more new wow. ones. <laughs> Come on, you're a gardener, Julia. Gardeners are tough. You figure it out somehow. You'll get it out there and keep the deer, even if it goes down to just planting plants that the deer generally don't ever eat, like daffodils. Deer never eat daffodils, to speak right. of. Right. Linton roses. Linton roses, yeah, yeah, yeah. Spreading all those babies around the backyard. But, but what I heard you say is just go ahead and let the season finish out and don't worry about trying to salvage yeah. and yeah, if they're, they gonna, if they're going to come back, they'll come back. And even I wouldn't dig them up this wintertime either. I would see what happens next spring. There may be a few dormant buds in there that don't sprout this year but come up next mm-hmm. April. So we got at least five or six months before you can make a final, they're dead, determination. 
Okay. All right. Thank you very much. It's great talking to you. Thanks for calling, <laughs> okay. Julia. Sure. Bye-bye. It's 42 minutes past the hour. George is in Canton, Georgia, and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, George. Good morning. Hey, good morning. Uh, I have a uh, barn down away from my house. It's uh, surrounded by pesky grass, yeah. a gravel driveway going to it. And uh, I've noticed in the uh, fescue, I've got this green stuff that's spreading in the grass. And this is in huh. full sun. It looks like some kind of a... Uh, uh, I really don't know what it is. Jelly? Is it jelly-like, or is it yeah. turn green and flat? If it's yeah, jelly-like, it's I know what it is. It's green, kind of wavy, yeah, and uh, it looks like I don't know if it's some kind of uh, fungus or something, or but it's it's spreading all out in the grass. You can see it around the, the driveway there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. if it doesn't rain for a few days, it'll dry up like it's dead. As soon as it rains, it just puffs up. All right, I got. I've, I know what it is. It's called Nostoc, N-O-S-T-O-C. And to honor my friend David Funderburk, it is not a fungus. It is a blue-green algae. And oh. when I called it a fungus on the radio show about a month ago, I guess now, Dave Funderburk, who is a naturalist and really, really knowledgeable you know, about the outdoors kind of guy, he sent me an email afterwards and said, you know, it's not a fungus, it's a blue-green algae. Okay. <laughs> I thought, yeah, I sort of knew that, but I thought fungus made the, made the uh, description a little bit better. But it is a blue-green algae, George. It happens when there's extra moisture around or hard soil or something like that. Generally doesn't hurt things that much. I don't think it kills fescue. But it does show you that the soil is probably too wet for fescue to be super happy growing there. So either you fix the source of water or you don't worry too much about it. Your choice. Okay. Well, I'll just leave it alone then. Nostock. If you want to see some other pictures just to be sure if I'm right or not, go to my website, WalterReeves.com, and type the letters N-O-S-T-O-C, Nostock, a blue-green algae. Okay. All All right. Thanks. George, thanks for calling. We've got time for Carol to come in here. We're sure we do. Hey, Carol, good morning. Welcome. Hey, good morning. Um, I recently bought a small wood chipper because I have all these branches and sticks and oh, things wow. to drop in my yard all yeah, the time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, it doesn't, I haven't, you know, created this giant pile, so I can't use it truly as a as a mulch, but I would like to use it somewhere in the garden. I wonder what, what would be better to, do I need to mulch it? first in the compost pile, I mean the compost compost pile, mm-hmm. or can I just mix it right in with the dirt as I'm making a new flower bed as a soil amendment? Probably better not to mix it in with the dirt. It's <clears throat> I think the chips are better used as a mulch over the top of the ground until they have been composted enough in a pile maybe that you just can't tell they're chips anymore, then they're fine. Okay. I'll tell you the reason for why not to mix it with the soil. And it's all based on how soil, fungi, and bacteria eat in the soil. They are looking for something that has some nitrogen in it. And your chips, when they're first coming out of the chipper, have a good bit of nitrogen in it. And so all the fungi and the bacteria say, this is fabulous, supper time, thank you so much, Carol. And they bring the uh, nitrogen out of the soil as they try to decompose the chips in the soil. And all the nitrogen that would normally go to your grass or to your tomatoes or to flowers or whatever you have in that area, they starve to death or at least starve somewhat because they don't have any nitrogen for themselves because the fungi and the bacteria are eating it up and taking it away as they decompose the chips. So use it as a mulch on top of the ground. There's no nitrogen drafting there at all. But if you mix the chips, those fresh chips, into the ground, then it'll make uh, plants unhappy for at least a year in that spot. 
would it would it not compost very well if I put no, it they'll compost actually compost? pretty fine. If you'll, in fact, I can tell you how to speed it up. This is even better. Okay. Put the put the chips in a pile and water it real good with uh, water soluble fertilizer like uh, Miracle Grow, or if you've got a handful of lawn fertilizer or ten 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 or something like that, throw that onto the pile because adding the nitrogen to a uh, material like uh, like wood chips helps the fungi and the bacteria again to get more food, which means they are faster at composting, and so you have a better compost made just by accelerating everything with the addition of a little bit of fertilizer. Oh, okay, yeah. that sounds good. Yeah, I All wish right. you know I see big piles of chips. Sometimes people will call a tree company in the area and say, "Can you deliver a pile of chips that we'll use in our in our yard for mulch and things like that?" And sometimes I see those piles of chips and I think. I can show you how to reduce that by half in about three months, put fertilizer on top of it. And, of course, I don't stop. I don't tell anybody to do that. But you can make pretty good compost in six months just by adding fertilizer to the top of a wood chip pile and letting it, letting natural processes chew it up and digest it and make it into compost. Okay, I'll probably do that. So do I need to do it just one time and then keep it wet? or? Um... I think one or two times and keep it wet and you make a real good point that wet means happiness for fungi and so yeah you have to water it occasionally to keep everything going along in there okay that sounds good thanks a lot hey carol it's great talking to you thanks for calling all right, bye. It is 747 on a Saturday morning. We'll talk to Carlos in a minute. He's got a pine tree that's browning from the bottom up. Curtis might have groundhogs in Alpharetta. We'll talk about that. Doris and Norcross will join us as well. You can join us, 404-872-0750. You're listening to Lawn and Garden. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, truck mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves and the lawn and garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Another day in the 90s means another day of getting it done this morning and hopefully get inside by this afternoon. Afternoon highs in the low 90s. Combination of clouds and clear sky throughout the day. Not much chance of rain, sad to say. Overnight temperatures drop into the upper 60s and rain remains somewhere incognito, but not in Atlanta. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. We've got a WSB McDonald's weekend prize pack to give away. Ashley Frasca is thinking of a number between 2 and 7 who will determine, or which will determine, who wins a pair of tickets to see stand-up comedian Jim Gaffigan. He's a funny guy. On Sunday, August 16th at Chastain Park Amphitheater, produced by Live Nation. A pair of tickets to see country superstar Luke Bryan in concert Friday, August 21st at Phillips Arena. And a pair of tickets to see Art Garfunkel. You got it in concert Friday, January 29th. Can that be? 2016. That's right, at the Buckhead Theater. It's in January. Make your plans now for your January date. So the tickets for Jim Gaffigan, for Luke Bryan, and for Art Garfunkel, Ashley Frasca. Who the wins? Luke Bryan tickets go to me. Go to you. Um, <laughs> you like Luke Bryan. I know you did. No, the whole prize pack can go to caller number three. Caller number three, 404-741-0750. 404-741-0750. Good luck and dial correctly and carefully. At 7.54, Carlos is up in Alpharetta and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Carlos, good morning. Good morning. Thank you for having me in your show. Sure. How can I help, Carlos? I have about uh, 10 to 15 uh, pine trees. Yeah. I believe it's evergreen. Yeah. And uh, about five or six of them is getting like a, from the bottom to the top, like a brown. Ooh. 
And uh, I don't know. It started about three years like that, and it's getting worse every year. Yeah. Let me. Are these ones that you planted, or are they just growing naturally no. in the yard? No, no, I bought that house about five years ago. There were already there. It's a big one. You know, Carlos, I may have really, really good news for you. I say that because I drive, I've talked this morning about marker trees that I notice when I drive around and think about their behavior and how somebody else may have a similar tree and they'll have the same sort of what's going on with them. And there is a long needle pine near my house on La Vista Road in front of the Montessori school there. And that long needle pine has lots and lots and lots of brown needles on it. But as I look at the tree, I can tell that these are the older needles, the ones that were on the tree a couple of years ago and finally are turning brown and falling out. It is very possible, Carlos, that your pine trees are simply shedding all their old needles and the new needles, hopefully, if they're green needles out of the tips of the limbs, that won't be a problem at all for the pine tree. This is okay news. If the tips of the limbs are green and the interior of the limb is brown, I wouldn't worry about it. Oh, okay. I mean, this is great news. Do you think that's true? Do the ends of the limbs look sort of green or got green needles on them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a needle. It's getting all the brown. Yeah. Hmm. Well, look in the pa- again. The pattern that I think is good news is simply that the end is green, the interior needles are brown, and they fall out naturally. I mean, we think of pine as being an evergreen, yeah, but it's only sort of a semi-evergreen. It drops needles at per- certain times of the year, but certain parts of the tree stay green uh, throughout the year. And the older they are, the more likely they are to to drop out. So pine. It's not never green. It's not evergreen. It's sort of semi-evergreen. That's what I would call it. Carlos, thanks for calling. Coming up in the next half hour, Curtis is out in Alpharetta. We've still got to talk about his groundhogs. And Terry in Gainesville says his English ivy doesn't have leaves. Hmm, that's an intriguing one. You can come to it and join the Lawn and Garden Conversation, 404-872-0750. We'll be back right after news. wheels to make a vehicle called Every triangle has three corners, every triangle has three sides, no more, no less, you don't have to guess, when it's three you can see it's a magic number. A man and a woman had a little baby, yes they did.